everybody, this is James. And Nabil. And you might be wondering what this episode's all about. This is the Movie Pals podcast. This is what we are deeming as a secret episode. This episode is a series of episodes we're going to have where one of the hosts of the Movie Pals, Movie Pals podcast will actually get ahead where we are not telling everybody else what we're reviewing. It's a one-on-one, more of a discussion-based review slash, I guess you might say like brief thoughts. Not brief thoughts, like a in-depth thoughts on a film that they particularly want to talk to me about. Why me in particular? Well, because I'm the only one that edits, truth be told. So this is me. So but there's you know, else you choose. to add that to James is a very good conversationalist when we're having one-on-one conversations about a film, because as you guys might've already known, he's very passionate about movies and being able to just talk about it without it being in terms of just a review, I think really is, is beneficial when it's just kind of one-on-one with myself and him. Or Especially, with any of the other pods. Yeah, and I would say because there's only two of us on the, these episodes, it's just between us. It's like we said, it's it's going to be a lot more in-depth with a review of something that one person wants, really wants to talk about. We won't be rushing our way through a film breakdown, I think. These aren't going to be too long, though, truth be told, because it is right. just a, two of us, which gets us through these things a little bit quicker and easier, I think. And because we talked about it, we have four hosts now. Sometimes thoughts and ideas can be jumbled up. We might be full rushed on something. So we are choosing movies that you guys particularly might not think that we would review. But for instance, we are reviewing. So today's film was a movie picked by Nabil. Is the 1974 film Chinatown. Los Angeles. 1937. There are lots of guys like J.J. Gittes. They're easy to find, if you want to find them. Mr. Gittes, have we ever met? Well, no. Never? Never. Since you agree with me that we've never met before, you must also agree with me that I've never hired you to do anything, certainly not spy on my husband. I don't get tough with anyone, Mr. Gittes. My lawyer does. You do your job. And sometimes you find the answers to questions that should never be asked. Or you find out what happens to people who ask them. So I'll do a breakdown of it. We're not going to follow like how our normal structure is. It's going to, like I said, I will do some intro here, but it's going to be a lot of discussion points as I call it out. So let's begin here. So Chinatown sitting at a 99% of Rotten Tomatoes, which is one of the higher ones, I think, for us. Truth be told, and it the uh, plot synopsis is a private detective hired to expose an adulterer in 1930s Los Angeles finds himself caught in a web of deceit, corruption, and murder. This is directed by Roman Polanski, who's most known for Rosemary's Baby in 1968, Frantic in 1988, and The Pianist in 2002. Written by Robert Town, who wrote Mission Impossible in 1996, Tequila Sunrise in 1988, and The Last Detail in 1973, as well as written by Roman Polanski. This was released on June 20th, 1974, with a budget of $6 million, and it made $29.2 million. So this was a box office success. The two main stars are really Jack Nicholson as J.J. Jake Giddies, as as well as Faye Dunaway as Evelyn Cross Mulray. So let's start it out, Neville. Why? First off, I want to ask first, before we even get into any personal experiences with it, I guess this might correlate to that as well. Well, why did you choose Chinatown to, for us to look at and review? This is a film that I feel like 
we both haven't watched in quite some time. And sure. I remember when we did, I, I have to say, I believe we watched it together. We might have. I think I'm we watched it, it. A, long, a few years, uh, well, quite a few years back. <laughs> I looked at my letterbox. The last time I reviewed this was 2011. I'm not sure if it was because it was for a class, maybe. I want to say most likely. That's, that's where I think it's where we watched it together is around that time. Because that's when we started watching a lot of movies together is around yeah, 2011. We, I used to come over and we would just, if I, I used to have a lot of weird films I'd have to watch for all these film studies class when I was going to Berkeley and... I want to say that probably clicks. I wasn't sure because just seeing it now, too, especially, I, I even thought about it when rewatching this. I was like, did I even see this in HD before? Like, is this the first time? I don't think so. Yeah. I was thinking, I was like, or was it just like, I I, I didn't, I didn't recall, but I, it has been like 13 years since I last saw it. So, mm-hmm. and that's the last time that I saw it. And before 2011, essentially, when, when I saw it last, it, it had been like on. Turner Classic Movies or something that I'd probably seen. I feel like this movie was on that a lot. It was either that or... I always say TNT, but TNT wouldn't show something like this, I think. Maybe like one of the movie channels, HBO Max or Showtime or something. I don't know, but I'm pretty sure that's how I first saw this movie. Yeah. And so I thought that it was something worth re-exploring again because of the fact that it's been so long. And every time I watch this, or not really watch, but think of this movie, especially recently... It reminds me of you, and that's where I'm getting the correlation of thinking, well, I think we watched this together, one of the early (laughs) Not not necessarily the topic of the film, but the film itself, just like watching it or thinking of it, reminds me of you because I believe we watched it together. And and that was the first time a long time ago that um, I can recall watching the film since, Sam. Okay. I guess, yeah, I just think about the first time. I want to say I saw it before 2011. Oh, I'm sure you, you More have. More than likely. Yeah. But this was one of those movies I had heard about quite a bit that was out, and all the film buffs, you know, you have this list of movies you're supposed Must to see. Yeah. And this is always on that list. A lot of people think this movie's pure perfection, and I, I, there's some, I, you know, we'll get into our thoughts on it here in a moment, but to a point, I think most of this film is really well done, and um, there's no way I, I appreciated it back then, especially now, just rewatching it now, one. even... There, it's a pretty, it's a pretty complex plot. I think I don't know if oh, I'm yeah, definitely. underselling I that, agree. but I think before I, I swear because I remember rewatching just before rewatching this, I was just trying to think of the plot. I remember it had something to do with the water, something with water, something like that. I was like, I know there's something <laughs> water. It's technically a film noir. The film itself is a bit slower. It's a slow burn. It's sitting at what two hours ten minutes, but. I felt like watching it now, I felt like the pace was actually really good watching it. So Agreed, yeah. I don't know if you, yeah, you, so you had the same thoughts on it too? Overall, I, I mean, we'll get into what we thought. Let's just jump into like what we actually thought of the movie. I actually thought it was really, really good. Yeah, the same. I, I feel the film still holds up really well. There's a lot of intrigue built into it. And like you said, it's it's a bit complex. There's a lot of, layered conspiracies and in a lot of films you have just the kind of one overarching conspiracy and you like mystery films and you'll go into one area and it opens up everything for you and in this film it just nothing connects the way you think it's supposed to Definitely, and yeah. until you really get to near the uh, last act and and realize oh my gosh all this is supposed to be connected and you, you like it just didn't make any sense 
where it was leading to until you finally got to the reveal. It has it has a very good mix of twists, yes, and turns in the movie itself, and I appreciated that this time around. Maybe I wasn't paying full attention back then, or I don't know. It just it worked better for me this time around. Everything clicked. I I understood the plot very clearly, and I was like, I just kept thinking throughout watching it that I I forgot how it ended. Actually, tell you the truth, yeah. <laughs> so I think it it ends very abruptly, very chaotic. Very, very adds to kind of the message of the film, though, I think, if that makes sense, too. That's Chinatown. Yeah. (laughs) That's Chinatown. Like, okay, I guess. But for the most part, I I really enjoyed it. I thought it was beautifully shot. There are some really great moments in this. It's a film noir that takes place largely in the daytime, which is. Yes. Was it cool? No rainy scenes either, because it's also taking place during a drought. During a drought, which a lot of film noirs are like these dark and gloomy, always kind of a rainy night start to things where somebody's in an office and trying to get a private eye to help them out. And this time it's like, well, you can't do that because there's a drought going to California. And unfortunately, these people aren't going to be able to um, have much water in this. It's it's a film noir without the water, I guess, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Let's jump into characters then, really. What did you think? I mean, I'll just ask you, who stood out the most to you? Obviously, it's probably Jack Nicholson. Yeah, Jack uh, Jack Nicholson is the standout here. He's equal parts charismatic and an asshole. <laughs> and you, you watch it and you're like, I shouldn't like him. But I also think he's he works well because as the film progresses, you're like looking at his his feelings for his. He takes his career very seriously, you know, regardless of what's going on over there. It's it's he finds it very important. Did you find it? I found it was strange because at first, I don't know if you're supposed to think he's like a slimy guy. That's how I felt like it was supposed to come off initially. There's even a scene in the beginning where the supposed wife of the Department of Water and Power CEO, or I, I, I don't actually know. His, yeah, he's one of the guys, right? He's like a one of the top guys there. And he's basically, she's out there like, oh, my, I think my husband's unfaithful and. I don't want him, you know, I want you guys to investigate. And then he's like, do you love your, your husband? Yeah. And then he's like, then go home. <laughs> he's yeah. like, let sleeping dogs lie. And I, I don't know if that's supposed to be like, okay, is he being a realist? Is he, is he actually not trying to rip her off for more money? Basically it's in the beginning, I, it, it's tough. And then he is one of those, he's very Jack Nicholson. I don't know if that makes sense <laughs> yeah. either. There's His only one guy. Itself, yeah. Like he's, he's very constantly making jokes at other people and he's calling people out. He has a history that's, slowly revealed throughout the film which i thought was kind of kind of nice he's he runs into a lot of people that he presumably has worked with in the past and had run-ins in the past with and everybody seems to know who jake is like he seems for a private eye he seems like a very popular guy for around 1930s los angeles i guess yeah they all know him he's he's got a lot of name recognition for sure yeah, but he's quick to also. He's got a bit of a temper. I remember the the scene in the where he's getting his his shave done. A guy is just calling him out that works for like a mortgage company or something. But and again, like defending his his career. Yeah, right? he's actually and, very he's very proud of his his work. I think he's very good at it. That's one thing. So what? It, let's jump into his like his motivations and to build. Like, I know we talked about even before. Why does he? In the film, let's, I guess we got to someone to s- describe it. He finds out that it was actually a fake, quote unquote, wife. Somebody he, pretending to be Evelyn Mulray comes to have him investigate. Then he finds out the real Evelyn Mulray, who is played by Faye Dunaway, 
reveals that she never hired him because she shows up. It was just somebody was hired to do it. So there's obviously something going on in the back. And she threatens to sue Jake because of what's going on. Their husband's all over the front papers, et cetera, et cetera. But then she suddenly tells him, like, hey, I'm going to drop it. But Jake still pursues what's actually going on. He's almost, I guess you might say, intrigued by it all or because he was involved somehow, he wants to clear his name. What did you think? I, of I that? think that's part of that is the idea that why did they involve me in this? And it might have just been like name recognition, and they chose the guy that they felt would have been able to, you know, solve the 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 indiscretion that was happening, the affair that was going on, and saying that this was really happening. But I think that he really did want to take the case because of the fact that he was duped, and he felt that. He, had, he has a scene with, with Evelyn, uh, JJ, and they talk about how, yeah, your husband was caught being with somebody, but yeah. somebody went out of their way to come to me to come and find this solution, you know, to, to find out if he was cheating or not. So what was the motive there? I think your husband's not safe because there's something deeper here that couldn't, it couldn't just be to put put out an affair there's got to be more to it why would they impersonate you knowing how powerful your husband is knowing yeah. you know your family so i think like you said he was more intrigued in the deeper mystery saying i've been duped i want to get my name cleared but also what's going on here why why are they even going out of this way and i think nobody expected him to to want to dig deeper into it to do after especially after, after he's technically off the hook in the first what 20 30 minutes right. movie. but my question is is it because he does bring up at one point too that the reason why he's helping her is because if people look at this heart deeper into the plot of what's really going on, they might think that she hired him to do that, basically. To actually frame the husband somehow to you know, after he's after he's killed or something like that. There, there there's some kind of plot line where he's saying that it could come back to him and make him look bad too. So Right. But that was before he even knew that uh Daryl or I'm sorry, Hollis Mulroy, the husband, was murdered. So true. He was going under the assumption that there's potential that if something did happen, could something could happen to him though. Is yeah, what I was trying to say. All right. So I don't know if we're supposed to see him as like a like an honorable character or because he still is kind of. I, I guess there's kind of a. I don't know. People look at Private Eye as not the greatest. I guess because they're usually catching people in pretty dirty acts, or if they're. They're not quite good enough to be actual police is a lot of, th- I think sometimes <laughs> right, I think I'd say in some cases, but in, in his case, he was a former police officer. Yes, he was. So he he was, was almost everybody on the force, which is, but right. I don't, I don't feel like he was well liked though. Well, you know, he was working in Chinatown, you know, it's, it's rough yeah, out there. <laughs> I think, well, they <laughs> do. Hint, I don't think they, I don't think they blatantly say so stuff. He does. He drops little hints throughout the film where obviously something has happened in the past. Yeah, and that's why he's a private eye now. Especially like seeing, I forgot the name. One, there's a guy that he runs into who's basically the main police guy who uh, just got promoted to. I understood um, it. Yeah, to lieutenant at that yeah. Escobar. Escobar uh, I understood it, and maybe maybe I misunderstood it. So, or, or we didn't catch the same thing. But I think eventually he goes into it, and he kind of explains how he was had relations or was interested in somebody, and they got killed or murdered in the while he was working the chinatown thing and that was the sour taste where he didn't want to be there anymore well, he talks about he like know. a woman that he was um protecting but then he ended up hurting her and it's yeah I, 
we don't learn so a lot. Though. We don't know the full so, details right yet. It's still kind of surface level, but which is very seems to be very, multi. Yeah, adds to the mystery, I guess, of everything. Mm-hmm. So you're like, why does he want to help so much? But he, I think, at the end of the day, Jake is actually a good guy. He's just caught up in this. I guess it's kind of a scheme in a way. It's, where it's a great way for him to deliver his own kind of justice his own way. Yeah, he's being hired to do it. He's following the law. He's not. He's not going into to solve the mystery. It, this is like one of the rare occasions where he's going out of his way to solve something. But tr- traditionally, they're coming to him to. And yeah, as we saw, he's pretty comfortable and used to the idea of people trying to catch each other cheating. But this, I think, also added to to the, like your question earlier. This might have also intrigued him a bit more as the added mystery of something different than another scandal or affair that he had to go and you know follow somebody and take pictures of. It's almost a sense of pride, I think, too, of getting it done because he's so yeah. good at what he does. And he, as we saw in that scene in the barbershop, he's not he doesn't think his job is a slimy job, even though he's like the guy's like, oh, I, I didn't post it on the front page of the news, you know. Yeah. And he's literally about to fight the guy. So <laughs> yes. in a way, I think he's trying to show that, you know, I'm a legit person. This is a legit business. Things are happening that are involving me that I don't want. But because I'm involved in it, I'm going to do the best I can to solve it and be and get on top of it and, and reveal to everybody that there are far more corrupt people than me in this in this line of work. Yeah. This is what I would say. Jake does get an injury in the film as well, about halfway through the film, actually, by Rowan Polanski, by the way. <laughs> yeah, he wanted to do his own <laughs> cameo on the film. That's fucking him. He's yeah. one of the goons and he cuts his nose. So you, I know beforehand, by the way, I usually do the outlines of this, but Nibble actually provided some discussion points here, I would say. And one of them is you want to talk about the significance of that injury. What did you think that meant to you throughout the film? It, you can be I, I believe it can be probably interpreted a few different ways. Yeah. You know, I felt it was a very <laughs> it's going to be on the, on nose. the nose. Yeah. <laughs> Thing about him being nosy, you know, like going into all these situations where he really has no business being into and just just barely getting out of it alive because there's some like really dangerous people and he shouldn't be there. He's got a like, few close calls. Yeah. I, I forgot how much times he gets shot out in this movie. He he's almost I mean it's it's all luck most of the he time gets like beat that up he gets quite out. a few times too. It's not like it's he's not in there like John Wick or anything. He's yeah he's he, not he gets knocked out at one point and he wakes up like oh what happened like oh my goodness and he's apparently not the best fighter either because he's getting his ass beat by That's so many 19, people. Yeah, it's nineteen thirty two by yeah. the way. So you got to remember. But I he I want to say the the thug even tells him something about you know what happens to people that are stick their nose in things they yeah, lose it and then he kind of he just yeah. like. Slips it, yeah. Cuts it open, basically. I think that's yeah. what they're trying to imply. He just slices it, but that's and that's where I think that's why it's also unlike a lot of other films. Eventually, this would just heal abnormally fast, and he'd move on, or it'd be a oh, small it'd be little like scar. Three, three scenes later, like oh, yeah. remember when he got he's got the still the gauze over with the tape on the medical tape on there, and then just only at the end with the stitches is it finally like off. So mm-hmm. I'm looking at it and thinking it's a constant reminder that he continues to stick his nose into places he shouldn't be, and it's a more up in your face visual for that. I found it that that actually makes a lot of sense. Mine was I was thinking more or less it represents something like personal loss in doing something like this because or because it's it's a physical damage obviously, but yeah. it's something on him. It's his per, it's his body, which is personal. So mm-hmm. because he's getting into the 
plot of everything and all this corruption, he himself his the toll on him is how messed up he gets, exclude, including the nose, right. just like personal loss for it. But yeah. yours makes a lot more sense. But that's how I saw it. Well, so. He also said he's very partial to his nose. He really likes it. So I'm sure losing a bit of it didn't make him feel good. Yeah, about definitely, it. definitely. The last line of the film, after many things are shown off by him, I guess we're not going to fully spoil it. But the last line you wanted to talk about as well is the forget it. It's Chinatown. Yeah. Well, what did you, what did you think of that last line? Obviously, very famous last line. The the forget it, Jake. It's Chinatown line. After it happened at, at the end of the film, it really clicked again for me on what that what that meant. And at least for me, it it just identified how chaotic everything is. Like, there's no rhyme or reason for any of it. They're using the term Chinatown throughout this film for some crazy thing, you know, that he used to work over there and it's just Chinatown. It's a bad place to work or yeah. these that's, I mean, that's what they're trying to yeah. imply is that that's the, that'd be like the Oakland of the area, right? Basically. <laughs> <laughs> like if I was gonna go. Uh, at least in 1934. Yeah. yeah. You don't like, oh, you get that beaten. Good luck, right? So it's like, oh. And so at the end, when the, what happens happens, the idea of trying to find rhyme or reason, like how could this happen? How could you know, we don't want to spoil too much, but essentially, how could evil win? And yeah, his, because his ultimately, yeah. it does at the end. Yeah, and Kali, it's, Kali, good, like, um, it's, it's Chinatown. This is it doesn't make any sense. This is just what it is. Yeah, because Jake is standing there in pretty much shock at like yeah. the, the turn of events does not turn into a typical Hollywood ending, which I really liked. The ending yeah. I thought was great because it is so chaotic. And there is so much going on in that last 10 minutes of the film that it's almost you almost need to rewatch it twice just to kind of catch it all because these things are happening. And then you realize that the ultimately the bad guy is probably getting away with it all. And the corruption and back dealings that are happening are most likely going to keep happening. And Which, by the way, that was not Robert Towns original ending. That was Roman Polanski's ending. That really? was really OK. I didn't he know that. changed ending. He had as much a, a much happier ending. Oh, and disagreed okay. with what they were doing. And uh, Roman Polanski, because if you guys don't know, during this time, this is around the time, I think it was a year or two after, um, was it her name? Sharon, Sharon Tate was killed. And the, Murdered, the, yeah, by the Manson. Yeah, the, by the, the, the part of the Manson murder. So he was still dealing with that and felt there was a lot of evil in the world because of it and did not want a happy ending. He wanted that to stand that way. So he that made that sense. change. Yeah, I think this also correlates with the themes of corruption and futility. Yes. Because Chinatown represents that no matter how hard you work against trying to do right in the real world, it doesn't matter, which is such a bleak outlook, by the way. <laughs> it's just it's basically like the anti Batman, like no matter well, how many times you keep fighting it, it's just going to keep coming back up and either winning or overdoing you or overcoming you. It's like, oh, my God. So Well, and think about Jake, right? Throughout this film, he's trying to stay within a uh, objective framework you know he's trying to come in and and just solve the mystery and not get taken by evelyn's you know sexual prowess or whatever like being interested to her or of the power around everything he's just trying to solve the problem and he throughout the film is fighting that and at a certain point falls back into it and and succumbs to finding some kind of happiness for a brief moment and then suddenly he discovers something and is like, nope, I was wrong. 
she's crazy. She's hiding. She's been hiding the whole t- time, you know, hiding things from me. And I'm like, I called, remember that's when he called Escobar to come over and it's like, you need to be upfront with me. Like he was losing, he was starting to lose faith again because of the fact that he believed that, no, what am I doing? Everybody's lying to me. This, this is whole place is evil. Why am I even involved with this? And then obviously running later and re- realizing he made a mistake and didn't understand the whole picture, but that very, whole, very oh, Chinatown, right? Very, <laughs> very Chinatown. Very Chinatown yes. again. God yeah. damn it. So, so I think that's that even him as a character is a part of that futility and a part of that corruption where he, he knows about everything that's bad around him and doesn't want to give into, uh, doesn't want to give into any hope and falls into his, you know, his better nature and then realizes, nope, shouldn't have done that, burn myself kind of thing and falls right back into realizing that now everything's just bad. So. Yeah. Yeah, he he basically realizes that the system is corrupt and that no matter what he does at the end, that's how he's so sh- like he looks almost shell-shocked. Kind of, he yeah. He's On basically cuz the guys even Escobar's like, "What are you doing? Get him out of here." Get him out of here. <laughs> what are you getting? He just stays like, "I'm doing you a favor, partner." <laughs> <laughs> and basically, he just stand there and his two um, partners basically have to take him away. And, they, and one of them is the one that says the forget it, it's Chinatown. I forgot that was who said it, by the way. I was like, oh, it's <laughs> like one of his cronies. No, I mean, mm. they're not even bad guys. They're just basically people no, that also work with them. Yeah. So it, it, you get a lot in that last like two minutes and they just do like a crane shot out of there. Just kind of showing like the, the chaos, chaos of yeah, what's everywhere. going on in the street in Chinatown and. Someone's dead. Someone takes somebody. They almost got run over. (laughs) You can see like cars about to hit them. (laughs) Yeah. The bad guy's getting away with the with the person that, you know, Mm -hmm. is kind of the center point of a lot of this plot, I guess you might say, too. Really good ending, man. I don't remember that ending being that good. And I think I just kind of appreciate those kind of slow burns a little better now compared to when I probably first saw this fully back, like I said, 13 years ago or so. It's a movie that's. It definitely surprised me with that, too, with just how well it was shot. And I think the writing for Robert Town and Roman Polanski was r- pretty much immaculate on this movie. There's some really good dialogue in this. So would you consider it? So you are down to is it actually considered a film noir? Well, to what you kind of mentioned before, this film is in black and white. It is set in a similar time period, think, right? This was I, I was doing a little bit of research before uh, we we had the pod and uh, this film was one of the first films considered a film noir because it b- being in color. Like there were other ones, but this one, like, maybe because of the reception of how well it was executed, I think there are- that it was actually considered a a film noir, even being color. And it's kind of yeah. more like a neo noir, like second generation. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. I think it's more considered a neo noir, which I, right. I mean, if you look at what what that even means between the two, it's it's very 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 close. So. Yeah. But I I say that, you know, I brought this up because there's not a lot of, after a certain time frame, especially this being in the 70s, we were getting into more of the, like, we were leaning start more into, like, the machismo stuff. We've got, like, the Dirty Harry. We've got, like, the uh, the French Connection. Like, these guys, these cops. It's much more, are, like, grittier. The yeah. 70s, 70s films, whenever I studied film, was a, an era of film, especially when they get into a much grittier, darker, dirtier mm-hmm. kind of overall feel. And this film has that, but right. it does have moments of that noir feel to it of classical movies where you especially the, the intro itself is just straight out of a, straight. a film from the 40s or 50s. Yep. It, 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 it is definitely 
recreating that or copying that, I guess. In yeah, that title sequence, even the ending sequence, the yeah, credit, any credits. The way credits, that it does it, the music, the way that the music plays, the way that some certain shots are shown, especially of the, I guess the, like the orchard, not orchards, right? No, orange? The orchards? orange orchards, yeah. Yeah, there's still orchards. Okay. Yeah. Sorry, I, didn't, I don't know the proper term. I'm ignorant. So, <laughs> like shots of that, even those kind of shots look good, but then they add a bit of that 70s grittiness, I think, especially, for instance, when he goes to the orange and then he gets started getting shot at and he's trying to back out and he gets shot in the uh, radiator or something blows up. It's then he gets shot. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Then the then the uh, tire blows out and then you get to see him beating up. And back then they didn't really show a lot of like blood and scenes and he's bleeding out. And That's true. Yeah, stuff. that's a good point. So it does give you still some of that grit. There was a lot of blood in this film. A lot of I, again, Jack Nicholson gets his ass kicked throughout the film, but there's just a lot of violence. It's rated, it's rated R, right? I think. Yeah. I, no, I don't think it's rated R. Actually, is it uh, not rated R? Ooh, I don't. I didn't I know that. Oh no, it is. R? I'm sorry. You're right. I apologize. Okay. It is rated R. Well, it makes sense, but I yeah. for 1974, there's still like you said, this is definitely showing off quite a bit of things here. So yeah. For the most part, I, I felt like it was a noir because it is definitely one of those films where there's a mystery going on. I thought that what was cool was the whole point of, even though it wasn't Evelyn Mulray, it seems like a lot of neo noir, sorry, neo uh, film noir films start with some kind of wife or somebody missing, and there <laughs> there's a bigger kind of threat to it all, and they find out that there's more going on and all this stuff. But I thought it was it was still well done overall, though. With that, yeah, true return to form for the genre itself at least from that period it's it's and they're much rare right over over the years they've become harder to identify a good noir film because the genre is not used as often and mysteries aren't you know people want more comedy i guess out of their mystery that's why we have a film like knives out which isn't a film noir but it's a good mystery you know yeah yeah, i would say that's more like a whodunit Mm -hmm. a lot of the I don't know modern film noir films anymore. Truth be told, I guess. You could well, say I would consider like, like a film noir like is like one. Drive was one. I was thinking like Blade Runner twenty uh, was twenty ninety nine or forty nine. Twenty forty nine. I'm sorry. That yep. is more yep. of like a modern version of a film noir, even though it's a sequel. Like it, the way that story goes plays out in a similar manner as trying to uncover this plot. That's definitely a movie you watch. I, I've only seen that one in theaters, so. But yeah, especially with the mystery aspect, I think of mm-hmm. that one. So, I, I mean, I, you could even say the original Blade Runner is probably a, a sure. you know our version of it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But uh, anything outside of that, let's just move into any scenes. Any, or you want to talk about strange surprises, shortcomings of the film itself? Was it was it was anything missing from it for you? Was anything really strong? I I honestly, when I was watching it, I was at first feeling like, oh, this is just going to go very slowly and we're going to drag our way through the next big scene. But like you said, after watching it and like really sitting with it, I realized that there was, there was purpose to everything and it was complex, but maybe because we're older than when we were watching it last, I was able to follow along much better and really start getting a better picture of what was going on. I found that for myself as well. I was like, man, I'm really like, digging this a lot better than i remember even though i mm-hmm. think I, I graded it pretty high before but i was i appreciated it a lot more this time i was just agreed everything just kind of worked a little better for me and i think i wasn't in like a total rush to watch it although i will admit i did finish it right before we started recording here <laughs> but i i you know it's a movie i've seen before so it wasn't like i don't know i wasn't gonna be 
confused by the plot. I was like, what's going on? But now I was I caught on to everything. And I, I love, like I said, I really, my biggest strength, I really like the dialogue in this film. I think it's well done. I think Jack Nicholson is arguably, he, he has a kind of charisma to himself in this film too that just makes it work. And you're kind of rooting for him the whole time too. Yeah. Even though, like I said, in the beginning, you're not quite sure what to think of his character. I think by the end, you do realize Although he's seen a lot of things in the past, this is something where I think by the end of the film, he even even his character expected it to end a different way. If that correlates to how they wrote the ending, I guess. Well, it makes sense now that you told me about the Roman Polanski thing. So I was like, yeah. oh, man. So the I think the 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 twists they they have some pretty shocking twists in this movie still. Yeah. And there's there's a couple. It's not just one twist. Like there's layers to like we were saying. I, and I don't want to we don't want to spoil too much because, yeah, it's an older film, but the movie is the twist. And if you're not if you've never seen it, it's yeah, a really want to bring it up. Reveal, yeah. For you to have to. It should be told. Us. I forgot what the twist was until we were watching it. And I was like, oh, that's weird. <laughs> <laughs> but I will add to the supporting characters really add a lot to this film. Even the dialogue between Jack Nicholson's character, Jake, with that former sheriff, uh, Mulville, Mul- Mulvihill, that they yeah, hire. The kind of, the like that, that dialogue between them where he knows him and he's shitting on him. Absolutely <laughs> clowns on him about, he's like, they shut my water off. He's like, why? Then you don't use it or wash in it. Why do you care? And I was like, man, he obviously does not like this guy. But that those those kind of conversations work so well between him and Escobar, the lieutenant, the, them talking to each other. It's the same thing where they, you know, they have a history. They don't really like each other, but they don't hate each other. And they're it almost seems like Escobar just every time. This is not the first time he's seen him, obviously. Right. Showing up. Private eye stuff. So he, he kind of just tolerates him, I would say. Yep. Or even the the tense conversation he has with Noah Cross, the father of Evelyn, and that kind of psych out that Noah's trying to do to him to get him off the scent of what JJ is really trying to figure out here that that conversation and those interactions really like those side characters help really move the story and keep things interesting because they're interacting like everything falls with Jake of course and Jack Nicholson is is carrying this film throughout but it's with those supporting characters that have just been cast so well and they're delivering so such a um in such a way where we are we are doubting everybody who we're talking with and not sure about their motives as we're going along with it as well. Yeah, and I think that the one one aspect of the movie that I, I really liked as well was all the different locations they are in. They really make LA look beautiful in this kind of movie, yeah. even though it's during a drought. This is the thought I get whenever I think of for instance the game LA Noir was very much heavily influenced by this movie as well. Oh I mean you can see that all over that game. Yeah, and it's kind of cool because he's going to all these locations. He's going to like the orange field. He's going down to this dried out dam. He's going to the Los Angeles River. He's going to this retirement home where it's, there's a huge twist with who's really <laughs> running things and who has, you know, where these people are being kept at. And it's got some really cool locations. And I think that really works. You don't you don't see that a lot in movies these days. And it's it's definitely one of those th- things where. If they do do these kind of certain shots, it looks like these shots are actually in locations. I mean, there might be some sets, but nowadays this would probably be something green screened in or. Yes, definitely. Yeah. So you did have a question, though. Would this movie, if this movie was made today, could it? Well, first off, could this movie be made today? And if so, would it be successful? What do you think? I, I honestly don't think it would be. 
I think really? that a lot of the like we were just trying to think of some film noirs right now it's without a big yeah yeah you need you need good character actors which there are a lot of them but they're also not always used in the best way in in a lot of the films <laughs> so you, you need to have like to work a, almost a remake of Chinatown like who would you cast yeah like who would you really put into this film today the le- even to play Jack Nicholson's character. Leonardo DiCaprio, because he's basically Jack Nicholson. <laughs> at this point, probably. <laughs> You'd have to, right? At this point. Yeah. He's basically turning into him, so I'm like, oh, probably. I Leo. mean, yeah. It's, but that's, that's, a, that's a good point to think about of the types of films that we're interested in watching right now. And I know a lot of people talk right now about being fatigued with superheroes and wanting to see smaller films, something more original. But when you get it, you don't really watch it. You know, there's not a lot of those films that are doing as... Very rare are they being successful, so I feel I'll that a film like this might not yeah. do as well. I, I think they just don't give it as much advertising, too, as opposed to superhero films. Superhero films get this huge budget, so they have to make it back, and that's why you see them advertised out your ears, basically, every time you mm-hmm. see something. And if they did enough with... I, I think it would really come down to having like an all-star cast, very much like how you're saying Knives Out. The reason why that first one did really well, not only just because Ryan Johnson, I think, is a really good writer. I know. Shocking I said that, but <laughs> his cast is just all-star cast. You just look at it. Even yeah. the um, Hercule Perot movies, all of them have actually done pretty well. And I think it's on the strength of a lot of times just having diverse names correct. in each movie that a little bit of someone's like, oh, I know who that person is. Or, or I've seen the previous one. I want to check these out. So it just goes in that direction. And I think... They could probably make a movie like this. It wouldn't be a very high budget, but I would say if they keep to traditional means of shooting it, maybe they, it could possibly work. But I'm I don't know. I mean, we just don't get a lot of these kind of films anymore. So it's, it's even thinking like, what about Westerns, for instance? Right. Like, yeah, that's true, too. So this film made five times its budget back in the box office. Like it's a that's a smash box office hit. Yep. This film now probably if it was well written and had a good enough cast, we'll make its money back. But would it be at that level? I don't. I don't know if it would make that kind of money back. It's not going to make Marvel movie numbers. No, not, no, of course not. I guess I can say old Marvel movie numbers because new ones now. Maybe they could. <laughs> but for the most part, I think I don't know. I wouldn't mind seeing it though. Yeah. Truth be told, because I, I really actually enjoy films like this where there's a little bit of a mystery going on and corruption and just an. Kind of like I guess Jake is also supposed to be kind of like an everyday normal guy mm-hmm. that's just getting along with his like just, just he minding his job, yeah. minding his business because it, but then the business involves him, so he's he's doing his job to try to get it completed. So yeah, and and just to add to that a little bit too about the movie itself, R- Roman Polanski and Jack Nicholson basically deconstructed the script and then built it back up and put everything together. You need like you were talking about Ryan Johnson. You would need a really strong writer and a good director who has an idea of where he wants his picture to go to to really make this work. It can't just be like, I have a solid writing script, and then we're just going to get this acclaimed director to just do shoot it. They both need to be able to really understand the vision together to make this yeah. film work in the way it is. And that's that's even more rare. To I mean, it's always been rare, but I think even now it's even more rare to have both of that side where the writer and the director are on the same page because you might have a film like some some quality writer making writing something up and then the director is just doing whatever the studio told him he needs to do. 
rather than being able to stick with what the vision was originally. And we, we've yeah, seen that a be, lot. Yeah. Be creative, right? It would be cool to see. There are some, I think there's some directors that could there's, pop, pop there's a few. off. Yeah. I mean, well, speaking of Roman Polanski, we got to talk about the elephant in the room. So as we won't go into it, but Roman Polanski obviously see has some things that have happened to him in the past. Yeah. In the late seventies back in the, he, um, you know, United States he, at this point. So, he fled the country because he was uh, charged with statutory rape of a 13-year-old. We'll just say it there. And he hasn't been back in the state since. Yeah, basically. Do we, I mean, do, let me ask you, to you know, turning it back around here. Do you think that in an era like today, a film made by Roman Polanski is, should, you know, even as good as this film, should we even give it that kind of credit or even be watching this film, considering what he's done and still hasn't, you know, had any justice for seen any justice for that's that. Okay. So that is a very hard question to answer, obviously, because there's so much things to think about, but I am the type of person that tries to separate the art from the artist A lot of times, if that makes sense. So yeah. there's, there's a lot of things like that nowadays where not just Ron Polanski, there's every, every Kevin Spacey movie at this point, are we allowed to go back and <laughs> enjoy Kevin Spacey film? You know, like I, Personally, when I was in high school, I thought K-Pax was one of the best movies I've ever seen or something. But really? Yeah, I'm a big fan of K-Pax. But that's an unknown film. Most people don't remember that one. But <laughs> right. I'm like, am I allowed to like that movie anymore? And I think, yeah. Anyway. Roman Polanski made Rosemary's Baby, which is arguably one of the best horror films ever created, too, on top of that. So True. Put it on the map. And I think a lot of, you know, yeah, it's shitty. I don't have to like the guy. But I can appreciate the work that everybody else put into it as well. Yes, he is the director and technically putting this in and giving a praise. But I am the type that also likes to try to look past it. I won't actively go out and see a lot of things, but I think I'm not the type to either. His seems like it's pretty cut and dry, but there are some people that have been accused of things recently that I think have gotten a really bad rap for things. And I don't know. I'm not one to quickly judge unless it's proven, but. Roman Polanski's case, yes, I I can say, yeah, Roman Polanski, most likely, yeah, piece of shit, but (laughs) very, you know, I can't deny that his films from a pretty decent point, at least up to 2002, because The Pianist also is very good. And he just wasn't there, which is crazy, but leading up to that, at least I I know he has a a few hitters in his his discography, I guess, if you want to, or filmography, and I think I, I... there are some ethical questions about looking at a film like this, but it's no denying that this film is very, very close to being perfect, perfect in my opinion. So yeah, it, like but once again, it's very hard to answer that. So I, I agree with you though. I, I, you know, it's, it is something it's subjective. We can't speak for everybody and others might feel completely different, but I do agree that even with the separation of art and artist, the way that cra- the art is being created has even more meaning sometimes because of the the history of the the art maker. You know, whether it's people don't always look at film that way; they might take it a little bit more literally. But if you just look at a piece of of painting, a famous painting, and think about what that artist may have done in in his time There's, or her time, it's a lot. You know? You'd be surprised that some of your favorite filmmakers are just not very good people. Yeah. It's almost so you, to the point where you have to kind of look past it. You, ju- like you said, judge the, the body of work for what it is, and that's it. And then if you're going to blame anybody for anything of like allowing these people to work or not being criticized, 
you know, play them to studios. They're the yeah, ones the letting them be in there. But yeah. I mean, once so, again, this was before this even happened. So this was still right. technically. And he had well, just dealt with his own well, tragedy with his wife at the time, too. So, yeah. So, I mean, it's hard. I, to I, I agree. Do it. It's hard to it's separate. It's one of those things two. where it's rough. I, I'm big on giving people a second chance. I think if people can, I mean, obviously this is very insane, but there's a lot of people, not just talking about Roman Polanski, actors, actresses, directors, executives that truthfully that have done the time and truth. If they've done the time or made reparations for what needs to be done, I don't, I don't mind giving someone a second chance. Yeah. It's kind of like the fool me twice. Shame on me though. If it's, if it keeps <laughs> happening, obviously, but that that's my opinion on it. I know it's not a very popular opinion, but, that's the way I look at things, because if, if you can't be forgiven for something, is there any point in even trying sometimes? So No one's perfect. I'm, and again, not condoning what he did. No, no, definitely not. Clear. I'm not saying we're going to I'm more talking maybe yeah, like James Franklin general, or some shit. Yeah. I don't know at this point. Uh, before we end it out here, I did want to say that this one has a physical 4K release in Europe right now. There's there's a rumor it's probably going to come out here by the end of this year, most likely. But we it does have a digital 4K streaming. It does. Which I believe it, we did. So that's a Dolby Atmos. Mm-hmm. I think it's just normal 5.1 sound on it, though. It's not nothing crazy. The, yeah, but, that's what I got to. Yeah. What did you think of the uh, 4K stream of it? Basically, I, I got mine through Apple TV, I guess, iTunes. Or whatever. Me too. Yeah, yeah, I did the same through Apple. They have it right now playing on Netflix if you, if you already have that. But that's just an HD. And, yeah, and you, Paramount, come on, you like you yeah, and a little Paramount, more they have it in HDR, but it's not Dolby. So, Apple so you want the extra sauce. But it yeah. was very, very well put together. I can only Look imagine because watching it there, the, how much better it is seeing it on the physical disc. But I, it looked really great. I would assume great. the disc will have a better audio. I will say that's the only one thing that was a little off with this one. Mm. It doesn't sound as great. I think it's because I'm too too used to hearing all the Dolby Atmos shit now. So I'm getting spoiled. So whenever I hear a normal <laughs> 5.1... DTS, I'm like, mm, I just want a little more out of this, but there, it's not a very audio heavy um, movie. Not dialogue for the most part. So yeah. I thought for the most part it looked great. This is arguably the best I've ever seen this movie to begin with. Most definitely, yeah. Like I said, I don't even know if the last time we saw it was in HD. So I feel like we got it on DVD to be honest. When or I no, the releases have a sharp TV that only did 720p for some fucking. Reason. I did. I did. And, uh, we rolled with that for quite a time. Hey, you know, it worked. So, overall, what did you, um, I mean, we obviously recommend it, but what was your star rating on it, Chinatown? Yeah, it's still one of my favorite films of all time. I, I gave this a five stars, and it still holds true today, I think. No, that's great. I give it a four and a half. I think it's, I think it was wonderful. I can't believe I've, I don't know, I had a feeling that I wasn't going to like it this time around. And then I really? looked back at my old review, and I was like, I really liked it before, so obviously this must be something. And it just clicks, man. And I, it was even, if nobody knows as well, there's a sequel to this movie. It came out in 1990 called The Two Jakes. It was a, there was supposed to be a, a planned trilogy. I don't know if you read that in a bill. Like, there was yeah, I did, one, yeah. Like, hey, it's going to be when he's Pretty old, quickly like, afterwards, he wanted, to, Robert Town wanted to do them pretty quickly, but it they weren't. This was in development hell for like a long time, though, apparently, yeah. too. So it got to the point where uh, Jack Nicholson actually directed the sequel and yeah. did not was not as critically acclaimed and financially successful as his film. But I've actually never seen it, and I actually just picked it up digitally as well because it was on sale for like five bucks on Apple. And I was like, HD, so yeah, just know. HD. They're not going to do 4K that one. Not the, most people don't even know this movie exists. So right. I'm I'm actually going to check it out finally because I was like at the end of that movie, 
China, at the end of the movie of Chinatown, I was almost like, you know what? I'd like to know a little more about Jake. What else he's getting himself into? <laughs> Although if you watch the trailer, it it's I didn't it's watch very, the trailer. I'm going in yeah. blind. You know, Go so. in blind because the trailer, I looked at it and I was like, this is not the same tone <laughs> as Chinatown. Oh, I can almost guarantee it's not even the same tone. Just seeing it right off the bat. And, and I read the little synopsis and it sounds kind of like similar to this plot in a way about corruption and everything, but we'll see. So, yeah. Well, that's really the end of this podcast. I we hope that you guys like this secret little episode. Uh, we will have one with Mikey, with Marco, and then I'm probably going to have my own one. I don't know who I'll choose. I'll choose somebody. So, we'll see how that works out, basically. It's, it's whoever he feels he had a better rapport with. So, he's going to judge us three <laughs> yeah, first and say, you the know first what? Three, then be <laughs> like, hey, we might just make this a reoccurring series. So, who knows? If you guys liked it too, give us a thumbs up on it, like the video, like the podcast episode normally we would advertise a bunch of things here but just basically i would say listen to us on your favorite podcast streaming we're on every one of them literally every podcast streaming service just yeah. click on us subscribe so you don't miss an episode and, so and we're until- on tiktok too listen oh, to yeah, us we on TikTok. Are on tiktok yes as well on movie pals pod that's one of our newer plugs that we're talking about here so take a look mikey's been doing really good with posting those up so the guy other guys have no idea that this episode even exists so we don't know when this is going to drop but whenever it does we hope you like it so until the next time this is james and Nabil. Have a great one.